I believe data is a people business. Governance is a people business. So I really put a lot of effort to learn and focus on the people I work with, and set my intention to bring out the best versions of themselves. I have a lot of skills that I do practice every day, and I keep on improving. Listening, unlearn and relearn, admitting the mistakes when I get it wrong, and stay open-minded to more and diverse options that come through. I consider all of these a foundational to become the walk-the-talk leader and be a role model for many. You don't hire for skills; you hire for attitude. You can always teach skills. Welcome to Code Without Barriers, a podcast aimed to create awareness, challenge assumptions, and celebrate diversity in the world of coding, deep tech, and data science. We are on episode five. In the previous episode, we discussed the role of open source developer communities and the diversity and inclusion needs in these communities. If you missed this conversation, check it out on our Spotify channel. Today, we continue our journey into the interesting space of data governance and look at its growing relevance. Data is the new oil. It is central to every organization's digital transformation. But for this data to fuel these initiatives, it must be readily available. It must be of high quality and relevant. This is where data governance comes in. Good data governance ensures data has all these attributes, which enable it to create value. Without quality assuring governance, companies not only miss out on data-driven opportunities, but they also waste resources. For example, data processing and cleanup can consume more than half of an analytics team's time, including that of highly paid data scientists, which limits scalability and even frustrates employees. Indeed, the productivity of employees across the organizations can suffer. A 2019 global data transformation survey reported that, on an average, 30% of a total enterprise time was spent on non-value-added tasks because of poor data quality and availability. So, the goal of data governance is basically to enable better decision making and protect the needs of the data stakeholders. One of the key objectives is also to standardize the definition of data across the enterprise. And usually, the organization would follow a set of universal data governance principles. These principles help the stakeholder to come together and resolve the types of data-related conflicts that are inherent in every organization. The Data Governance Institute mentions the core principles for governance as the following: integrity, transparency, auditability, accountability. Stewardship, standardization, checks and balance, and change management. Adhering to these core principles and creating a well-knit data governance policy for the organization can be a big differentiator. While these guidelines and principles exist, we do still see many cases of failed data governance in organizations. So, in addition to these guidelines, what we also need is a solid stakeholder buy-in. One of the critical aspects is to get the CEO or other CXOs to buy in and make them champions of data for the organization. For example, analytics transformation, which is usually seen as a new revenue source for many companies during the digital transformation, it cannot happen without good data governance. 
So it is important to generate that excitement around data among many stakeholders and also employees and get very pragmatic about prioritizing these data projects. So in summary, data governance is critical to capturing value through analytics, digital and other transformative opportunities. While many companies may struggle to get it right, a way to succeed could be by shifting its mindset from thinking of data governance as frameworks and policies to embedding it in strategically into the way the organization works every day. And today, to share her experience and insights, we have Puyen Lee, Director of Data Governance at MetLife Asia. Puyen, welcome to Code Without Barriers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kavya, for inviting me. Let's get into the conversation, right? So you are one of the leaders in data governance at MetLife. Can you start us off by sharing in your own perspective on what data governance is and sort of help us appreciate its growing importance? Yes, I'm a big why person, so let's start with the why. And I, I really like the introduction that you shared earlier on highlighting the need of data governance. I think today, let's face it, we are all in digital business, whether it's life insurance or auto and anything else. When we need to use data to help serve our customers or help our people to do things better, we need to make sure that the data is governed. And from my perspective, I look at data governance as an ability to really enable us to uh, have much more rich and intentional use of data to help us provide businesses to provide more inclusive solutions for diverse needs. I personally see governance in data is like SOX controls that were introduced many years ago in the business financial processes areas. And once it started, it will eventually and should be embedded into the day-to-day -day operations to support business decision-making and effective risk mitigations. Data governance, in my view, is a discipline to help people respect and appreciate data, eventually evolving ourselves to how we appreciate money like we do today in a transparent and organized ways that will help us from having using our technologies processing our business operations, and even our thoughts and mindsets around uh, habits on how we manage and deal with data. Doing data governance has many benefits. And one of them that I really want to touch on is it really contributes to the culture and mindset evolution of our people and our ways in dealing and how we manage data. And when we can elevate our people's understanding and disciplines to manage data better, the outcome is increased usage of data with confidence to solve problems in a compliant way, of course. And then, of course, when we use it purposefully, we can help solve real problems that will help other people. And there is an art and a science to it. For me personally, coming from a business background, I do lean on governing data from the consumption angle, focusing on the why and what data is needed to deliver what specific value adds that we're aiming for. And then from there, we identify the business problems and then use governance to help tackle the solutions that are required. Great. Thanks Thanks for that context setting and that, uh, that insight. I like the way you compared it with uh, money 
you know, it, it, it's it's universal. Like we are always disciplining ourselves about how we look at money and how we use it and, you know, where we spend it. So that's a very good parallel for me to get an idea of it. Thanks. Thanks for that. So uh, continuing on the subject and sort of bringing a lens of industry where, where you're operating. So you're currently working in the life insurance industry where digital transformation is becoming very important to enable inclusive solutions for uh, various needs. And uh, this includes the need to definitely effectively manage uh, data. So in your own view, how does governance play a significant role in regulated industries like insurance and healthcare and other similar regulated industries? And how do you think the data quality and the technologies that are used for these processes are helping in better governance? Thank you. That's very important. And I do hear two parts of your questions. One is the, the role of data governance in how then second part is the, how data quality come into place. And let me take those in turn. Just looking at role of data governance through the lens of insurance industry, life insurance in where I am right now. You know, today, if you look at just from an insurance product design, to finally having a product or service to bring to the customers, to actually eventually entering a contract we call policy, and then sub- subsequently supporting the payments or changes and updates to the policy, such as paying out claims plus more. Data is involved in every single step on how we serve and help our customers. And imagine that if we have appropriate data access permissions, policies, controls applied in how we manage all kinds of data, right? We, which includes sensitive data, customer policy, the product, how much you pay your credit card and so on. Then the need to use that data to interact with our business partners, internal, external, of course, our customers between employees, between different departments are actually essential for us to deliver the promise that we have given to our customers. And many of them have diverse needs, right? In life, insurance, you took from accidental to health to medical, life cover and so on, retirement and so on and so forth. Data governance, in my view, plays a critical role in contributing to the creation of these business values I've talked about across this insurance value chain. Today, we often encounter silos between a new application being developed, between the process of collecting that data that comes through, storing it and how we consume. And the amount of time that then spent by different teams, as you pointed out in your in your earlier intro, uh, Kavya, is that different teams, they spend a lot of time to discover, where's my data? Now I find the data, what do they actually mean? Hey, there are, looks like something, there are different copies and they look different. Which one should I be used if they, they look similar? And if I do have any questions or the data doesn't feel like they are of um, a quality that is to our expectations and needs. Who do I even go and ask and go and address those issues? And all of these, if we don't streamline the efforts, they will add on to costs, time that we incur to ideate, design, develop, and deliver solutions for our customers using data. And I imagine data governance plays a critical role in contributing to removing and lowering these barriers through the artifacts that they would deliver, such as a clear, consistent business glossary that is standardized across that people can look into and understand, knowing what are the critical data that the company, the business actually needs, 
identifying, understanding where is the data stored and if the data is moved around across different places, how do they flow from your starting point to the endpoint, which we typically call it data lineage. And all of this facilitate data discovery, data understanding, dependency, impact analysis. And when we can put this information and knowledge into the fingertips of our people, whether you are business, technical, data expert, we are essentially enabling and empowering our people with the know-how of the answer to those essential questions that I talked about. What data do we have? Where are they? What do they mean? Which one is approved and not? And who do I speak to if I have a question? Imagine we have these. I believe this is a game changer for many, many people and opportunities. And it is definitely a direct dollar amount benefit that we can have from cost savings and also time savings, plus the speed we can actually take to get a solution into the market and help the business uh, and other customers as well. And if you look at from a quality perspective, data quality, if we don't invest in it, we will have a direct impact to the confidence level and the trust from the people who are being told and asked and encouraged to use data. So the tools available today to support data governance efforts are quite advanced right? compared to even when I started three and a half years or so ago. Some are already in cloud solutions, they have rich options of connectors, they support integrations, we can even automate specific processes. And quality comes into play effect. It not only helps us um, understand our data at the start through analyzing and profiling, but also able to enable us to classify our data, right? Is this customer, is this personal information, is this health information and so on. And then when we consume it on specific contexts, whether it's through analytics models or for a report, or even just displaying the data on a front end UI in an application to a customer, we should be confident before we use it. And this is where quality comes to play. A lot of people say this is good data, good quality, bad quality. And in data governance, we actually use framework to help you or double drill down onto it and come into using multiple dimensions such as completeness, uh, uniqueness, accuracy, consistency, and so on to help us increase that confidence in transparency of the data quality. And if let's say the quality is not to what we expect, let's have the issue resolution process to address them and improve it prospectively. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that. And that was a very detailed uh, view into both the aspects. So the way I'm thinking or the way I understood it is like um, data governance is sort of the GPS, <laughs> you know, for uh, for, a, for an employee who, uh, who has to sort of deal with data coming from different directions. Okay, where do I go? How do I go? Whom do I ask? You know, where do I make the turn? Sort of like that and giving that clarity in the journey on how to deal with the data. So that's that's really interesting. And uh, the fact that you touched upon the quality, uh, it's so critical. And it was interesting to hear the various parameters of quality itself that you, that you defined. It's just not about good or bad. It's about the completeness of the data. And, you know, it, it was good to get that understanding. So thanks for that. At this point, I just want to shift the conversation a little bit um, and sort of focus on you, Puyen, and uh, on your leadership style. 
you've been a great supporter for Code Without Barriers and uh, uh, you know, as a partner and customer to Microsoft and MetLife as well. We want to hear a little bit about your leadership approach and uh, how do you leverage it to grow you and the teams around you? Um, are there any best practices that um, help you succeed, specifically in the data and AI space that, that you are in, which is, which is a growing field where um, people are trying to make, their, make and build their careers? Yeah, I would say personally, I am a work in progress. I have been on a journey to evolve my approach in leadership over the past few years, particularly given me I'm a a mother to two young children. So there is a lot of learning. But in short, I would say I have shifted myself from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset driven leader. And I've gone to leading with less emotions being put and considered to now actually practicing compassion and empathy when I interact with people, be it in and outside of my team, my organization and of course, with your, yourself as uh, our part, we, as we partner on Code Without Barriers. And where I am today, I would consider myself, I do have two leadership positions in my current organization. One is in data governance and another one in gender diversity, equity and inclusion. Either way, in both roles, I focus on empowerment, collaboration, building that sense of belonging and be very value add focused on everything that we do, the hour, the minute that we spend on, the deliverable that we focus on, and has to really be aligned with purpose. Ideally, the one that we can get the team to have established that common purpose aligning to where our organization is heading towards. And above all, I believe data is a people business. Governance is a people business. So I really put a lot of effort to learn and focus on the people I work with and set my intention to bring out the best versions of themselves. To do this, I have a lot of skills that I do practice every day and I keep on improving. None of these are technical to begin with, right? Listening, constantly staying open-minded to rethink and learn and relearn. And I'm a big fan of Adam Grant's work. Right. Admitting the mistakes when I get it wrong and stay open-minded to more and diverse options that come through. I consider all of these are foundational to become the walk-the-talk leader and be a role model for many. And I have also learned that I have to first invest in creating an environment where people sense and feel that psychological safety to have the better trust in each other so that our mutual diversities can be respected and appreciated. And this way, whether it is in data governance or broadly in data or even AI technology in general as well, it actually contributes to boosting creativity, innovation and performance as a result. And so far, I, for me personally, in my current role, I have the honor to work in teams of very diverse locations and nationalities. I was just counting the other day, Kavya. I think my team has got, I, I have a team of 10 or so in data governance, but we have about eight to nine nationalities. And in gender DEI, I, I, my, I even branch out even further. So this means for me to lead and for me to really perform as an individual, as a professional, I can't have a cookie cutter approach to leadership. And I really want to get this out to whoever listening is we do need to have that ability 
to practice agility when we lead and have essentially the diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging be in the center and be in part of our DNA of leadership. And this also makes me a better person, a parent and a leader as a result. Great. Thank you. That's very inspiring to to listen and a lot to learn and uh, uh, take into our own approaches. I, I, I'm a fan of Adam Grant too. I picked up the, the, the book you referred recently. So good one there. Data is a people business. I uh, couldn't, couldn't agree more. That was very, very well put there, Puyan. And a team of 10 with the diversity index of 8 to 9, um, when at Code Without Barriers, we, we refer to this quote by Satya, there is no solution to unconscious bias other than diversity. And especially when we are dealing with data, which is supposed to serve every one of us on the planet equally, um, the teams who built the data solutions and services around have to be as diverse as possible so that everyone can have an equitable experience, right? So really really great to see that leadership style and the diversity aspect coming through thanks thanks for sharing um again staying on your journey and your style uh, we want to hear about your career journey what brought you into data governance uh, i know when we spoke earlier you mentioned about interesting career transitions i'm sure our audience would be very keen to keen to hear that there are a lot of uh, young um a female audience for our podcast who are trying to pivot their careers or you know figure out hey is is, is data the space for me uh, i may have a non technical background uh, you know is there scope for someone like me here so um, share share with us a, a little Brian. thank you i think for for many who are listening to this podcast data governance is probably a term a profession that is quite new probably over the last few years or so so I'm just like many. I have a career background that was in non-technology and non-data. In fact, I studied accounting and law, believe it or not. And by professional, I, I have got the chartered accountant that based out in England and also eventually got the certified internal auditor CIA as well. So I have got a consulting background initially really focusing on supporting and uh, businesses for their external financial reporting auditing and so and then providing assurance to them and that quickly moved on over time into internal audit because I got in very interested into how I can use business pr process improvements and risk management and risk mitigation angle to help businesses evolve for me when I joined data governance, it was just a little over three and a half years now. It was a huge gamble. I have been so comfortable in audit, external into internal audit. And this opportunity came up to say, hey, do anyone, do you, are you interested to help build a team and set up a brand new discipline in, in the organization to evolve how we manage data? I saw a lot of the transferable skills that I had uh, from auditing, from consulting and risk um, mitigation and so on. And I put my hand up, but no doubt pivoted my career with a lot of fear because a lot of unfamiliarity at the time. And looking back, I think I've come a long way. <laughs> 
uh, you said accounting and law that's a lot of data you know i'm thinking okay she's not new to data you said non data background but no law is like a lot of data so i think you got the discipline right back there pian <laughs> no in the form of science or engineering or and the data management disciplines but yes in a way <laughs> so you mentioned about pivoting with fear so i'm i'm assuming maybe you had some doubts but uh, you're you're very successful in what you do today you've built the team and uh, you you're creating best practices in the space so what skills or strengths have you nurtured that supported your transition and uh, to give you the confidence to lead the way you're leading today yes absolutely and the i opened up earlier was you know it was my first career pivot so i think anyone with humans or despite our capability to change we also feel of change and no doubt when i was at that junction with this opportunity i had doubts and when they say hey you need to know technology you need to know deep about data how data management works i said i don't really tick those boxes but because i view skills as a pyramid of skills that have multiple components i said i may not tick the box of technical however i do have the mindset of learning i have a lot of transferable skill sets that i can bring and more importantly is i have a very clear sense of purpose and intention of why i want to sign up to this challenge so i kind of like to put the put put myself on that essentially draw a line between my soft skills and hard skills and did the analysis and say hey do i have something to offer immediately and then something that i can grow and learn and offer over time so on top of liking adam grant i'm also a huge fan of simon sinek so when it comes to shaping how i how i move and pivot my career and grow my career this is one learning that i have took to heart is that you don't hire for skills you hire for attitude you can always teach skills so and that has gave me a lot of courage to sign up to the challenge and also has shaped how i lead and since i would say technically in around data governance i did come in with a business lens and i think typically we do see a, a lot of today's data governance professionals maybe come from more of a technical background like data management and and technology but it doesn't close the doors for people who are not from those backgrounds like i think i am a, a proven walk the talk example that if you can come in as i say data is a people business data belongs to business is the ones that really sign get the customer to sign the contract paying out the claims picking up the phone call at the call center and so on that understand what customers needs and understand what data is useful and necessary to serve the customers better and i think i have managed to really bring that lens in over time and really shape and contribute to and be part of that uh, complementary uh, piece of the puzzle so we speak to really stand up the data governance practice that we have today in in where where I am and i think for me it has worked for me and i believe that my advice and suggestion for others is if we are willing to invest the necessary efforts to discover our passion be willing to be in the discomfort in those moments of doubts and stay clear and be very honest to ourselves why are we doing i am i going to do this why do i want to do this what is it that i would envision myself in 3 5 years ahead or even longer 
if you're willing to be, go through that process, thought process first amount within you, and then take the actions forwards to learn and be okay to say, I don't take all the boxes, but I'll still sign up to the challenge and be in that journey, which is an adventurous and fun journey, you too can make a successful transition into data and possibly AI, depending on your choice. Great. I think that's a playbook right there on growth mindset. And uh, what you said about hiring for the attitude, I, I remember this this exact sentence um, somebody had told me very early in, in, in my career as well, hire for, hire for attitude and skills can be built if you, if you have the right, right mindset. So I think what you just shared uh, was it's a playbook if anybody wants to build a, build themselves, build transition their career, build a, build a successful team. That's right there. Thank you so much for that. Just a little bit about Code Without Barriers, and you've been you've been along with us on this ride. We are a big consortium of organizations supporting in the effort, and you know we are trying to create a platform to reduce gender gap in data and AI space, specifically in tech. So in your opinion, what is the importance of diversity and inclusion in the teams that are building uh, the technologies of tomorrow, especially the deep tech, data and AI, and maybe even data governance? Does having a more diverse team help? And in your own perspective, could you talk a little bit to the gender parity or lack thereof in the space? Absolutely. I think we, we touched on earlier where where you say right, data to help people, data should have uh, be generating solutions that are for diverse needs. And therefore, I think diversity in data roles and in data governance is a must. And put simply, as we just mentioned just now, is people have biases and there is no cure to it, conscious or unconscious. And however much we dislike being said that we are biased or we don't want to admit it, we do have it. But the good news is when we bring diversity into the picture, one person's bias is different from another. And especially when you even add on the backgrounds, the culture, the academics, all the career experiences, when you bring this all together, we can't, as we increase diversities, we actually help each other to spot blind spots. There are huge benefits on there. And another another reading that I a book I would like to call out is I don't know Kavya if you have read that is from Franz Johansson the Medici effect. He taught me that bringing diverse talents together actually sparks conversations at the same time discomfort between each other. But when we can have the recipe to leverage those well, it actually stretches us out of our comfort zones. And we know with growth mindset being practiced widely at Microsoft too, right? growth happens when we feel uncomfortable and that commitment to create that diverse environment essentially fosters growth in one another. And I think this, what I just shared, applies to all the industries and specific to data and AI and governance. A lot of, so much of our work are being done behind curtains, so we speak that customers, leaders, they probably only see the final output. However, what happens from the beginning throughout the process actually dictates the outcome. So can we imagine that when care and commitment to remove, reduce bias is not in place, 
at the solution design, at the development, at the documentation, and so on? How would the final product look like and feel like? So DEI, diversity inclusion with equity, is a conscious effort for us that we should all do our part to manage that, and particularly in data and AI, because we can we cannot what do you say uh, disregard the fact is today the industry is predominantly a lot of male talents into it, and I do see this is an opportunity as opposed to a threat, because when there is that imbalance or the need to rebalance, we actually need more females to put their hands up and come and join the existing talent pool. So then our diversity continues to increase. And when we do that, diversity is a starting point. When people start to see the differences between us, we are forced to feel the discomfort to then have to practice inclusion with one another. Then innovation comes after that. And if we don't address this and balance this over time, we will be missing out on opportunities to bring more inclusive innovations to help the diverse needs of our people across the world. Thank you so much, Brian. I love the fact about staying a little bit in the discomfort zone. Uh, I think if, again, going back to what you mentioned earlier about the right attitude, uh, then having that little bit of discomfort is the stepping stone to growth. Right. So really, really loved that that bite there. We can keep talking. Uh, I think uh, this is a great conversation. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we are uh, we are at the time limit for today's episode. But I really, really um, enjoyed this insightful and inspiring conversation uh, with you. Puyan. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, being such a great partner for Code Without Barriers here at Microsoft. Thank you very much, Kavya. I just, uh, it's truly my pleasure and I'm honored and grateful for this opportunity to share my perspectives with many of you. And I hope that those who listen to this episode will find this helpful. I just want to say, don't be afraid to put your hand up. Get yourself and be at the table. And many women may say, may doubt themselves and say, am I good enough for this? Or am I eligible, you know, should I be, Am I qualified for a role and so on? You know, change your language. Say, I am. I can't change it to I can. And you will surprise yourself. The impact of this minor trick of what you say to you can help you branch out, transition, pivot your roles to grow you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for that comment. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening in. Please do contribute to this conversation. Share with us your thoughts and feedback. And you can follow us on Spotify and LinkedIn. And do check out our Code Without Barriers website for more related content. And tune in next month again for another insightful discussion here on Code Without Barriers. Thank you.